Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about spraying around your yard. If you've got any questions about that or anything that's happening on your farm, you can give us a call here, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Oh, uh... We are on Twitter as well, Ag PhD Media, Brian Hefty, or Darren Hefty. Okay, so spraying around your yard, I, I, I just want to give you a couple of things, and then we, we got a couple other things we need to talk about here at the start of the show. But with spraying around your yard, <laughs> there are a lot of things that can be done, and you can, uh, you, can, you can spray many of these products yourself if you want to. But I look at weed control, and I look at bugs. And so... I just say for weed control, the number one complaint we get from a lot of people is they say, oh, I sprayed and it didn't really kill the weeds. Look, if you're going to go buy something at the lawn and garden place, it's usually a very low concentration of product. So if you get the real herbicide from a, a an ag retailer, then typically that goes better. But I just say when it's watered down, Obviously, you're not going to get a lethal dose in a lot of cases if you don't use a really strong rate. In terms of the insects, we really like Tempo sprayed around the house and in the yard. We also really like using some imidacloprid, put it on dry as a granule, immediately water it in with at least an inch or two of water, and then that will kill grubs and, and many other bugs on your lawn. So anyway, we'll talk about those things throughout the show today. Uh, Darren had sent me something this morning that I thought was really interesting on sclerotinia white mold. Darren, you want to explain what that was exactly? Well, the USDA at Washington State and in conjunction with another, uh, several other universities around the world had made a discovery about sclerotinia white mold, and it's been a terribly devastating disease for a number of crops. We talk a lot about soybeans. That's the one on our farm that gets hit the worst, but uh, there are a ton of crops that this one hits. And what they had tried to figure out was why, why sclerotinia white mold or how it was adapting to our different methods of control and also how it was adapting to the plant's natural defense systems. And they found a protein that was allowing white mold to cause more devastation to the plant and get around the plant's natural defense system. And they're hoping that by discovering this protein, which they've been looking, trying to figure out this trigger for 50 years, they finally found out, oh, here's what's helping it get around the plant's natural defense system. Now that we've identified the protein, hopefully we can we can uh, develop new methods of control for, for white mold. So when they took that protein away, then the white mold wasn't nearly as severe. Now, it still did impact the plant, so it isn't like this is the cure if we can just stop this protein. But if you have something that can stop that protein, that's part of the solution. So it, it was kind of an exciting discovery. They were super, super tickled. They, they figured that out. And hopefully within the next, who knows, several years, they'll, they'll figure out how to use that knowledge to help us fight white mold in a different way. All right. The other thing I wanted to talk about to start the show was an article that that just came out, and it was something about pollution. Darren, do you have that pulled up, or do you have a printout of that or anything? I don't have any internet for some reason well, here. 
Otherwise, okay. I'd, I'd so go ahead. So it was about equip funding and where that's heading. And that was, uh, was kind of interesting. Um, so the report, there's a report that came out and they looked at, uh, no, tw- this isn't the report. This is a commentary that somebody ill-informed is making, and it said something along the lines of, "Why is the government funding things that add to pollution?" What, what was what was yeah, it titled? Yeah, uh, IATP Sorry. report shows equip funding for practices that quote make the environment worse. There you go. Okay, and one of the things that they had in there was drain tile, and I'm like. It said who, sub, who, subsurface, who wrote this? Subsurface drainage. Uh, <laughs> it's nah, like, what are you we'll, talking about? We'll make things worse. <laughs> right. That's that's one of the most idiotic well, things and, I've ever heard. And you heard. can tell the political bent because they said, why aren't uh, some states putting more funding into cover crops? And that that was kind of interesting to me to think of. I, I don't know. I just thought just the whole premise of it that. And don't get me wrong, I, I don't have any issue if there is a program to support cover crops or to to help pay for cover crops to, that to I, get people that, to try that. That's that's a whole different discussion. Okay, yeah, we're but, setting but just, that just, just saying let, that all this money thing. could be used for cover crops is what the article said. If you read to the bottom, that this money could be used for cover crops and also, uh, yeah, just it, it just got really political and. That isn't what agriculture is about. We aren't about politics. It's it's about okay. hey, what's what are smart practices for the environment and for the land? Okay, but but all I'm really talking about here is a comment that tile is adding to pollution. That's wrong. Look at the data that's out there, and there's data from the last hundred years. The article I like to refer people to is Environmental Benefits of Tile Drainage. It's a summary of 86 different studies, mostly university studies. It's done by the University of Guelph. You can look it up online. It's been out there for a long time. It's awesome. And what it says, basically, is when you have tile in the ground, not only is erosion reduced, but there's less downs there are fewer downstream contaminants and it only makes sense because now rain's allowed to soak into the ground as opposed to running off the top of the soil carrying soil chemical and fertilizer with it now the people that want to say that it adds to pollution are going to say well there's more nitrate in the water look there might be a slight increase in nitrate in the water and i will agree with that that can happen especially when nitrogen is mismanaged but what if you look and you read the data it will show you there's less total nitrogen going downstream when tile is in the ground and there's less of pretty much every other nutrient also going downstream so anyway it it, it's i i just i get very frustrated when people want to have their own opinion on something that's not based on fact look at the facts look at the studies Tiling is fantastic for the environment when it's done properly. All right, we're going to talk about spraying around your yard right after this. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. What's new from New Farm? Longbow EC Herbicide. 
the latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools, gives you another Carfentrazone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burned down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC, available for fall. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. In a world of Veltima fungicide. Hey, let's do it less dramatic. Just say Veltima fungicide. Okay, Veltima fungicide. No, that's literally the same. Veltima fungicide. Still doing it. Veltima fungicide does it. Seriously, we just need you to say Veltima fungicide. Swift, simple, and secure. Didn't I? Veltima fungicide from BASF in cornfields this summer. Always read and follow label directions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. And Brian said we're talking about spraying around your yard. I look at it this way. If you've got a yard, why? Why do you have a yard? Well, you want to enjoy it, right? It's spring or summer or or uh, whatever season it is that, that you can get out there and enjoy it. You want to have a great yard. And if you've got kids, if you've got pets, uh, if you just want to have get-togethers, whatever it is, you've got to have a great lawn in many cases. And so we're talking about caring for that lawn and, and making it look great. And also for trees, bushes, plants, whatever else you've got around the yard. If you've got questions, if you've got comments, our phone lines are open 844 844- 44 ag phd got our friend lauren Mulder with us right now down in texas to talk about this a little bit lauren how you doing today i'm doing great gentlemen hope you guys are enjoying your day up there as well you know we got sunshine lauren we got sunshine and that's a good thing we need it we're uh we're cold and and a little damp up here and i know as you head south though everything's greening up you guys have already mowed your lawn a bunch of times we we haven't even done it once yet Oh, yeah, the, the kids are already complaining about mowing the yard, and it's not even hot yet. <laughs> okay, well, talk to us about that. So I, I know that not everybody likes mowing the lawn. Some people love it, but you want to have it be healthy. And if you're going to have good health, I'm assuming it's got to start with soil and nutrients. Absolutely. And I know, as we've talked in the past, you guys uh, know that I'm a big believer in soil testing and doing a complete soil test so you have a full picture of what you do and don't have because where there's going to be deficiencies there's going to be excesses and what we want to try and do is balance out those deficiencies to help address the excesses and that's the foundation to a healthy yard a healthy flower bed a healthy garden bed it doesn't matter what you're trying to grow all the way into the row crops that you guys talk about every day it starts with the a good, complete soil test. 
All right. When you when you think about this, uh, I would say uh, 99% of my neighbors are not doing this on their own, but if they're working with a service, are, are most lawn care services doing this for, for folks, or is this something that, hey, we need to, to have people step up their games? Both. There are a few lawn care services that do some soil testing. Typically, it's not a complete test, so I think we need to encourage the professionals to step up, as well as the homeowners. And unfortunately, a lot of times if you work with your local university extension office, they're not going to run a complete test for you either. And I hate to say that, but that is the truth. And you're going to be better off, you know, sending a sample off to, you know, you know, I love working with the Kinsey Ag Services. I know you guys do a lot of work with Midwest. Either one of those are fantastic labs or other great labs, but you need a complete test and that includes all the micronutrients. Um, a lot of times in lawns, we tend to put out a lot of iron because it makes the grass dark. Um, but if you get too much iron out there, it's going to create other problems. And eventually, you're not going to get a response when you're wasting your money. And you've created an excess on your own out of your ignorance and not doing a good soil test to know exactly what you truly need. You know, when we look at these soil tests, Lauren, a lot of a lot of folks listening to the show today are farmers. And if you're a farmer and you say, "Okay, I'm pulling soil tests out in my fields," I can I can pull some tests in my yard too. What are some of the key things they should look for on that test? Is it the same things they're looking for raising corn and cotton and soybeans, or or there's something, or is there something specific for lawns? You'd say, "Okay, we got to have just a little different balance here for the lawn." Honestly. Um it is so easy for somebody that has any kind of ground, whether it's pasture or row crop, if they're pulling any kind of so good soil test, a complete soil test, pull a couple samples out of your yard. If it's not a big yard that you have, you can just do one composite sample. If it's pretty substantial, you might want to pull two, but typically I don't see a lot of people being able to manage it separately. So if you just want to pull one composite test, that may be the easiest way moving forward and at least get a baseline of where you're at and you may not need to do it every year if you're not doing a lot of amending um, to move the needle on your soil test so you may need to pull it just every two or three years just like you would in in your agricultural acreage uh, but you are looking for the same balancing of nutrients whether it's your major cations or as you get into the secondary nutrients or your micronutrients good healthy balanced soil is going to grow the best row crops it's going to grow the best pasture grass going to grow the best vegetables and the best turf grass in your yard and that same science applies across the board one thing lauren that that i know neil kinsey has mentioned before is just establishing trees and bushes and some of the things that that he likes to talk about there i know one of the things that he had commented on that really made a lasting impact for brian and me he talked about that base saturation of potassium of getting that up maybe towards seven percent that he saw better tree growth and better girth uh, additions on that tree year on year. Uh, have you noticed the same thing? Have you noticed any other nutrients being important for trees and for bushes? Um, if uh, I know trees, shrubs, flowers love potassium. Turfcraft loves it even more. It'll luxury consume potassium if you're providing it. You know, we're talking about getting up around 7%. I thought that's the sweet spot you guys like to operate in. <laughs> it sure is, Lauren. I think, you know, most of the time you're telling guys if you're at 5%, you're probably low. You may not be deficient, but you're on the low end. Well, we, so we definitely. Seven, I think is wonderful. 
Awesome. Awesome. It's not cheap. I I know that, especially this year. But when you think about your lawn, if you build stuff up and you get things in balance, is it fairly easy to keep it there, especially if you're leaving the clippings out in the grass and you're you're not stealing those away? Yes, and I'm glad you brought that up. Please don't bag your clippings. The best fertilizer is what it took to grow that turf grass leaf. Let it go back into the soil. That's just that much less fertilizer you need to buy to replace that nutrition because you're leaving it on the soil. It's not like a, a grain crop where we're taking the grain off the farm and shipping it down the road, and we lose that nutrition that it took to build that seed. That leaf blade can go right back in the soil, and the more we do that, the healthier the soil is going to get that much faster. There is carbon in there. There's all the NPK and secondary micronutrients it took to build that healthy leaf in the first place, and just let it go back in the soil. The more you do that, the better the soil is going to get at breaking it down, and you really won't have a thatch issue if you'll do that. Um, the other thing is all turf likes to get mowed and the more often you mow it, the easier it is on the plant, the less stressful it is for the turf grass, whether you're in the North or the South or in the transition zone, you know, as you get into the South and you get into Bermuda country, Bermuda loves to get mowed. And the more you mow the Bermuda, the denser it will get. And a lot of people don't want to hear that because that means, you know, more hours in the yard, but. Honestly, the more often you mow, typically the faster you can mow. And at the end of the month, you may not be spending any more time out there because you're able to get around so much faster because your clipping rate is so light compared to if you let it go every other week and it's a lot less stressful on the plant. All right. The last question I got for you is watering, Lauren. And I'm I'm a fan of deeper watering less often. Uh, is that the route Absolutely. to go or what have you seen? Always. And fortunately, some of our municipal water districts are finally catching up and and putting in guidelines, uh, strongly encouraging or recommending no more than twice a week watering. And even in in the south and the west where we're very, very hot and can be arid, a deep watering twice a week is plenty for any turf grass. It is absolutely plenty. And if you're in an area where you get pretty high rainfall amounts, you may not need to water at all or no more than once a week. We're in a drought. We're in a technically a severe drought where I live right now. I haven't had my irrigation on since, oh, probably last September. And it's a little dry. We finally got some rain here the other day for the first time. We're By this time of year, we should have 12 inches of rainfall. Uh, we're tracking at about six. So we're at 50% of our annual rainfall year to date. The grass greened up in March. Um, but I would like to keep it on the dry side, the droughty side, and encourage those roots to seek moisture now rather than try and turn on the turn off the irrigation in the summer when the bills get really, really high because the evapotranspiration rate so high and I can't afford to keep up with it. Yeah. And yeah. I don't have a deep root structure to pull more moisture out of the deeper soil. It it is so much like by keeping it too wet. It is so much like common sense agronomy out in our fields too. The same thing yeah. is true in your lawn. We're we're talking with Lauren Mulder here. Lauren, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. Thanks for for all the insight you're sharing. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great week. You bet you as well. And uh, if you're listening, to Lauren, he said, mow that lawn, mow it more often. We'll talk more about that coming up right after this. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. (sighs) 
Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucento fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucento fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutritia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, it means getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting experts who will work with you to create a program unique to your operation, all while accounting for the quality of your soil and the products you're already using. It's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, and it's been a fun show so far talking about your yard and caring for your yard. And when we think about uh, the fertility side, Lauren Mulder had a lot of great points. He said, you got to think about it a lot like your crop. You got to balance the fertility out there. You got to be smart about when you're watering, when you're cutting, all those kinds of things. But you know what can throw you off when you get some weeds out there, when you have some insects, you have some disease, those types of things. There's lots of challenges that can pop up throughout the season. we got Brian Ferguson on right now with Ferguson Lawn and Landscape down in Tennessee. Brian, thanks for joining us. Yes, sir. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. So when you think about lawn care, uh, Boy, there's a lot of things that can go wrong during the season. It's easy if the sun comes out every day and you get just the right amount of rain and there's no bugs or disease or anything out there. But, man, there's there's always some challenges. So talk to us just a little bit about some bugs and, and disease and, and those types of things that come up and, and maybe just give us an idea or two of what we might do about it. Well, um, aphids are 
sort of a problem I see, you know, different type uh, times of the year and uh, temperatures is different types of bugs. And uh, I've noticed on crepe myrtles the other day, uh, some honeydew, some droppings from aphids uh, get on the leaves and it's a sticky substance like syrup almost. And then uh, that turns into, uh, you know, a whole different thing. And so you got to control the aphids. And what I use is usually a, a, a metacloprid, uh or Talstar. Um, and for a homeowner who can't get a hold of that, um, just seven or seven dust if you can mix it up. And the main thing is try to get it on the underside of the leaf uh, where the aphids are. You know, if you had a um, an applicator with a blower that can kind of get it underneath there, you'd be in good shape. Uh, that That is the tricky are, thing. And, and a lot of times too, Brian, just let me, let me add on this with the aphids. I've seen it too at my own house that you get different types of vegetation growing there. And it's not like a, a cornfield where it's really predictable about what, what you're going to have. You, you've got a bush sitting next to uh, some flowers, sitting next to some plants. And, you know, fortunately you mentioned these insecticides and I can't really think of any danger there in terms of plants that are going to have a negative response from that. But the timing is, is so good too. You, you see aphids in my mind, if you see aphids, you're already too late. We got to, we got to get after this thing quick. Cause man, if they get the right weather, they can sure blow up. Oh, definitely. And sometimes you got to, I use a, a little surfactant and um, like you said, doing a little damage to some plants, whatever. If you got out straight straight insecticide, you're you're, good, you're in good shape. But if you put a little surfactant in there and it's a little warmer and gets hot, it can curl up some leaves and burn them. And uh, or I've seen people go out with dormant oil, which you need to go out early in the year. Hence the word dormant oil, you know. And uh, I've seen some uh, pretty severe damage on roses because. Uh, someone use dormant oil mixed with the insecticide so it's kind of like putting suntan oil on your plant and then you know sun comes out and burns it and so usually your if you just stick to your insecticide you can most your ornamental shrubs they can take it but you know you got to be careful with your surfactants uh on your ornamentals and then also on your turf uh Right now, and our turf, uh, I'm in the northwest Tennessee, uh, about two hours um, uh, north of Memphis, and um, we're starting to see a lot of yellow nuts edge. So Ooh, yep. that's what I'm spraying for right now uh, is the yellow nuts edge is in the three-leaf stage. Uh, some are not quite that um tall yet but you know it's tougher to kill it's a tough plant to kill anyway and then uh because it's got the tubers and uh uh you need to get it um anywhere past the three leaf stage it's it's really tough and you gotta you need to use some surfactant with it because the leaf is so narrow and waxy it just kind of rolls off so uh another thing with your surfactants it's better to go ahead and get it now when it's a little bit cool rather than 85 degrees and then you know you're trying to kill a more mature plant you got to put more surfactant and then you're going to get turf injury uh without a doubt and uh 
it'll come out of it usually, but it just really uh, looks bad. And the customer wants to know if your spot's spraying. What are these little <laughs> what's going on out here? Well, so, you look at that yeah. stuff, and and Nutsedge just doesn't have hairs on the leaves. You got smooth leaves, and they're upright, and it's tough to stick things on there. So, are you end up? Do you end up using Halo Sulfuron? Do you end up using Bentazon? What are some of the go tos for for something like Sedge? I just use a nine uh, non-ionic surfactant that uh, I get from my rep. I've been using it for years. Uh, tell you the truth, I can't even remember the name of it. Sure, sure, uh, just to stick it on. Uh, but which yeah, which product? I guess which products are you using for the which herbicides are you using for the nutsedge control? Oh well, mainly around here. Uh, you guys are for South Dakota. We're in, we're in South yeah, Dakota, but you're talking to a national audience here. Are you using things like Sedgehammer okay. well, or uh, yeah, uh, we have a lot of Bermuda. We're warm season around here. We have mostly Bermuda, but we have a lot of fescue. So on your Bermuda, uh, I'm running Certainty and uh, a three way product such as Vessel, uh, Trimec nine nine two or triad uh you can get most of these at a co-op near you uh, uh they have 2,4-D, dicamba and mecoprop and which makes them the three-way product you, you need to get that dicamba in there it's not a lot but you really need to get that instead of just buying your 2,4-D and you know or 2,4-D ester you, you really need something with some Macroprop and dicamba, but on my Bermuda, yes, I'm running uh, uh, Certainty. Uh, some of you farmers out there, but uh, it's Outrider would be a farm chemical for that, and to okay. kind of give you an idea what it is, you sure. know, uh, and about 1.5 ounces uh, per acre, so it's not a whole lot. Uh, that's what I like about it. And you, an ounce and a half breaker, that's not bad. And um, on your fescue lawns, uh, another great one. And you can use uh, these three for your uh, Bermuda and fescue is Solitaire. That's a great product. It covers a lot of broadleaf weeds, a lot of hard uh, to kill broadleaf weeds like ground ivy. That's a tough one. Um and sedge hammer, you can use it on cool and warm season grasses. And blindside, that's another good one. It's a, probably the cheapest out of the two, uh, or out of all three of them, or four of them, the certainty. Blindside, it's uh, 6.5 ounces per acre, but it's cheaper than all, of them, all the other ones, and they, it does a good job. Yeah, there are a lot of choices out there, and I think this is one of the things that we always encourage folks. Talk to the professionals, see what's working, uh, get the best recommendations you can. So you only have to do it once, and you can enjoy your yard that much more. And I know the other thing that uh, our dad always taught us growing up, because Brian and I were the ones doing what we called at the time the $5 an hour jobs of mowing the lawn and and, and right. uh, trying to, to make it look nice for so dad was happy about it. He said, don't cut too short. I, I see too many guys trying trying to cut too short and oh man i got a problem out there i'll just cut it real short and you won't see but boy then you take away all the defense that the lawn's got to try and fight these things off on its own uh, we're talking you with- got it and, and i see that a lot with the uh, i'm a commercial applicator and also um I, I have a lawn service as well and uh we we try to get the 
especially on fescue, you know, uh, we're mowing three and a half inches right now, uh, pretty tall. And, uh, you know, most homeowners, like you said, like your dad, the older people would scalp it to the ground. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you see all these beautiful stripes. You see all the beautiful stripes in these yards. You know, if you go past the yard and it looks like a baseball field, well, you know, that's uh, because the grass is about three and a half to four inches tall and it's leaned over one way and you turn around the mower and come back the other way and it makes it a, a, a light stripe. So that uh, Absolutely, Brian. Uh, hey, we got to run. We're up against the commercial, but thank you so much for being on. We really appreciate it. Whether or not, relentless control is what you get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Protect your season from tough broadleaf weeds and grasses with dual modes of action and overlapping residuals that also minimize resistance. With an easy-to-tank mix formulation and wide application window, Anthem Max Herbicide is ready when you are. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact eMERGE planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. When you pull your side dress bar out of the shed, do you dread the time and expense of replacing worn colders and bearings? There's a better way. Hi, Greg Souter, 360 Yield Center. 360 Wide Drop for side dress bars is a quick, low-cost upgrade that cuts maintenance costs. Plus, you're likely to get a yield boost from moving nitrogen from the middle of the row to the root zone. Save time, money, and boost yield potential with 360 Wide Drop Side Dress. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here, along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today just talking about spraying around your yard. Just a few things that I'll add here. 
first of all, I don't love seeing dicamba sprayed with a backpack sprayer. So there are some products that have dicamba in there, and my concern is the benzene that's in there. That's not real good for you. So 2,4-D, much safer than what dicamba is to human beings. And then there are a lot of other products, too, that are, are pretty safe. There's one other one that I do want to mention not to use in a backpack sprayer, and that's Stinger. So Stinger can be really hard on your eyes. So you don't ever want to spray Stinger in a backpack sprayer. And personally, I don't like seeing anybody spray any dicamba mix in a backpack sprayer either. So be careful with those two things. Now, what I, I mentioned 2,4-D. Let me talk about that just a little bit more. Do not use the old 2,4-D. There is LV-6 and there is AMI. Okay, LV-6 was oil-based or LV-4. You could go either one. The six-pound was more concentrated. Uh, and then there's the amine. And the, the, the whole concern here is the volatility. So whether you're going with the oil-based LV-6 or LV-4 or the water-based amine doesn't matter. You have volatility issues. It concerns me a lot. So what I'd rather see you do is use the new Freelex, that's 2,4-D choline. And I will just tell you, we've been using that now since, I'm going to say, three years before it even got labeled. We were testing it. We're just not seeing movement out of that stuff. So it's, it's dramatically better. And as someone who, back as one of the first products I ever sprayed was 2,4-D, sprayed it around our farm, killed my mom's flowers, killed her garden, drop leaves off all the trees. Uh, I can just tell you that old 2,4-D is not the way to go. And it's one thing to do it in a field where you can be a long ways away from something. But let's face it, if you're spraying your yard, it's hard to be far away from flowers, trees, gardens, any of these what I would call sensitive crops. So use the new 2,4-D much, much, much safer. As far as anything else you really need to use, quite frankly, if you use 2,4-D at a strong enough rate, if you use it at the highest labeled rate, it actually works pretty well most of the time. I was mentioning this earlier in the show. The biggest issue I see is people buying watered-down 2,4-D or people not using it at a high enough rate. So cut your water volume back a little bit. Make sure you're getting the appropriate rate of 2,4-D out there, and generally speaking, you'll have pretty good control. So that's a number one thing for broadleaves. 240. And it, it's not that expensive. It's fairly safe to human beings and animals and everything else. So I'd encourage you to, do, to go that way. Okay, I want to come back to bugs too, because this is a really big thing. People are constantly complaining about bugs in their yard, whether it's mosquitoes, ticks, uh, grasshoppers, crickets, I, I mean, ants, there are a lot of different things. So I really like Tempo personally, but Tallstar got mentioned earlier. Tallstar is just bifenthrin. That's, uh, I, I'd really call it a step up from Tempo. So you can go either way. And if you want to mix it up a little bit, that's fine. Use one one time, use another the, the next time. Keep in mind, they're both pyrethroids. So that's the bug-killing portion of the chrysanthemum flower. So it's, again, quite safe to humans and animals and everything else. But just like some people are allergic to flowers, some people are allergic to this stuff. So we always will encourage you, if you're spraying anything with a backpack sprayer or even a four-wheeler, whatever, make sure you're always using personal protective equipment. Just be careful with the stuff, and then you should be in pretty good shape.
Darren, you got anything else to add when we talk about spraying around your yard? No, but it. I, I just look at all these things. There's a lot of them that can be prevented. And then back to the fertility piece, if you get that fertility balance right, I loved what Lauren said about, man, we've been in a drought here, and I haven't watered since last fall, and the lawn's still hanging on. And I, I think getting that deep root system is important and also having the right fertility balance so your, so, so your plants don't need as much water to get the food that they need. That's that's a big important thing too. And then just think about this. When you've got a problem out there, why do I have the problem? And start addressing those whys rather than uh, the the symptoms that you see later. And an example would be we talked about grubs recently that sometimes if you've got lots of bugs that don't belong there, you bring in other things like rodents that want to uh, eat the grubs or, or hunt for the grubs, those kinds of things. So, Or you have lots of bird damage even. Do you see birds digging in and making a mess uh, in your landscaping or whatnot, going after the bugs? That kind of thing is, is something to, to pay attention to, too. And we had just made the comment then, man, get rid of the grubs, and then there won't be all those things coming to eat it. Uh, I, I think the same thing um, in different parts of the country you see, oh, boy, if we have this problem like if you have fruit trees and you have fruit that you don't pick up off the ground well, what's going to come and eat the fruit that's laying on the ground and that leads to the next problem and the next problem and so forth so just be proactive in what you're doing take a few extra minutes each day as you walk through and say you know that's something that needs to get cleaned up picked up sprayed taken care of whatever it is just do those things on the early side you'll get more enjoyment out of the lawn in the long term all right we've got a number of questions that come from in for the Ag PhD mailbag, we can jump into that. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right, this one comes from Peter, and we get questions exactly like this, Peter, uh, several times a year. Uh, I've got a pasture. I've got some clover in it in addition to the grass. Can I kill the other weeds without killing the clover, or am I stuck to kill the clover too? The only product I can think of that will kill broadleaves without killing most clovers is buckteril. That's bromoxynil. Yep. And buckteril doesn't kill all, well, it's it it's an okay product for annual weed control. So if you have any perennials, you got thistles, and quite frankly, a lot of different annual weeds, you're going to have to go with something else. And then unfortunately, you are either going to kill or dramatically hurt that clover. So, yep, that's the that's the problem. Now, I will say, it, this is kind of like our lawn discussion. And we talked about spraying today. The, the topic was not weed control. It was spraying. So that's why, like for me, I didn't focus on what's really, in my opinion, the most important thing. So whether you have a pasture, a lawn, anything else, a crop, the most important thing is not the spraying. It's how great a job you do raising the actual crop because the better crop you have, especially early in the season, the more it can choke out the weeds and hopefully you don't even have to spray. So that's really what we're after ultimately and that's why we want to see you have great fertility, good drainage, all these good things. Now, I'll also say since we got this question, I'll give you my standard response whenever someone says, well, I'm trying to raise grass and clover together. Look, you can get more tonnage in total out of each thing, the grass and the clover, if you raise them separately. 
and then you mix them together as needed afterwards, after harvest. So the reason why is because they need different things for fertility, for weed control, insect control, disease control. I mean, they're just dramatically different crops when you start talking about a grass and a clover. So if it's me, I'd split the field up. Now, it might not be 50-50. It might be 60-40, 70-30, whatever. I don't know what mix you want exactly in the end. But the point is, when you raise them separately, now you can produce a tremendous grass crop and a tremendous clover crop, and you actually can kill the weeds. All right, thanks for the question. Uh, Get this one in from Chris. He said, can you overdo sulfur and cause damage to corn? We applied 600 pounds per acre of gypsum last fall to try to manage high magnesium soils. Wondering if I should also add ammonium thiosulfate to my 32% like I normally do, or if I should leave that out. We've got heavy soil, 28 CEC, and over 20% mag. Well, the question isn't as much, will it hurt it? It's, well, what good is it doing me? If you're going to spend money on something, it needs to make you more money, not break you, not uh, leave yield the same or potentially hurt yield. So is it possible to have a thousand parts per million of sulfur out there and still raise a great corn crop? Yes, it is. Now, that's not my ideal thing, but I'm just saying you can overdo it on sulfur and it doesn't kill you. But my point is, if you've already got all kinds of sulfur out there, why would you add more? If it's me, I'm just going with the cheapest possible and that straight nitrogen source I can find. And I'm going to call it good because I already have plenty of sulfur in the soil. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Here at Farm Shop MFG, we keep hearing from folks who've tried our germinators. Deverne in Missouri says, After seeing our harvest results, I'm an enthusiastic supporter of the Farm Shop MFG germinator closing wheel. See what others are saying at farmshopmfg.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming, because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com.
It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit MortonBuildings.com. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today. On our farm, I'll just tell you, we're we're sitting right now. Got some rain. We finally got rain. We got 1.8 inches of rain the other day. That's, I think, as much precip as we've had between rain and snow combined in about the last five, six months. <laughs> so we, we were starting to get pretty dry after a whole bunch of 30 to 50 mile an hour winds. And anyway, so the, the rain was fine. It's just kicked us out of the field for a few days here, but we're, we're coming along pretty good with planting in our farm. But I just got a question in from Jeff, and this is for up in Northwest North Dakota. So I want you to think about one of the coldest places on earth, and you're going to raise crops there. (laughs) Now, it's not the coldest place on earth, but one of the coldest places in the contiguous 48 United States uh, that doesn't have lots of elevation. But anyway, in Northwest North Dakota, they actually raise really good crops and they have good soil. But here's the question. Would you plant beans in Northwest North Dakota right now, today, my soil temp's only 32 degrees. Now, the forecast, I mean, all the lows, he, he also sent me what all the low temps are supposed to be for the next week. The lowest temp in the next week is 42 degrees. So, Jeff, here's one of the things that I have learned now that we've had a weather station on our farm for the last, I don't know, half dozen years or more. South Dakota State University has a weather station there, and one of the things that goes along with that is soil temperature probe. So every day I can see what the soil temp is and I look at it almost every day at this time of year at the four inch depth. Now the interesting thing is it takes readings every five minutes and is very common for that soil temp to vary 10 to sometimes even 15 degrees in a day. So to answer your question, if the soil is fit and I, I mean, honestly, I don't care what the soil temp is. I mean, yeah, it can't be ice. It can't be frozen solid. So as long as your ground is fit to plant, I'm planting. I don't care if the soil temp is in the 30s. That's fine. Now, it's got to be treated and make sure it's treated seed. But let me give you an example on our own farm. So this morning, the soil temp on our farm, and this is, again, SDSU weather station, four inch depth. Okay, not two inches, four inches deep. The soil temp this morning was 38 degrees. You know what the soil temp is right now? 52. 52. When your lowest temp in the next week is going to be 42 degrees, you're in great shape. Go plant. 
Just make sure it's treated seed that has a good cold germination score. That's going to matter. If it's a warm germination test, remember, those are done at 77 degrees. The cold germination test will be done at 50, 51 degrees, depending on the lab. So that's going to give you a little bit more accurate reading of what's going to grow and what's not. All right. Uh, got a little bit of feedback. This came back from Lauren Mulder. Oh, hey, wait, wait a second. Sorry. Oh. I, 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 I just thought of one other thing that I got to add to this. Here's, here's one other thing that I want you to think about. Okay. And again, this was Northwest North Dakota we're talking about. And if you say, okay, I'm not going to plant today. I'm going to start tomorrow. Okay. I get that. But a lot of people say, well, I'm not giving up much by planting tomorrow. Well, that's the wrong way to look at it. You always have to look at your start date versus your end date. So by planting a day today, that means you're not planting a day at the end. So I don't know when you're going to be able to finish. If you only have 200 acres and you can plant everything in one day, it's a whole different conversation than if you have 20,000 acres and it's going to take you three weeks to plant. So my point here is if you say, boy, if I start tomorrow and everything goes well, I'll be done May 25th, then how I'm looking at it is, okay, if I plant today, today's May 3rd, and I compare how does yield usually turn out May 3rd versus that last day, May 25th? Because let's be honest, if I plant today, now I don't have to plant May 25th. Now I finish May 24th. You see where I'm going with this. So always make sure you're comparing the right things, not the starting dates. You have to compare the early date versus the very last day. So always think about it as when I start a little early, it's not really that way. You always have to think about I'm finishing earlier, and that's the date you got to look at. That's something our dad talked to us about years ago. He used to say that quite a bit. And part of the reason why is because we're always up against it with weather in our region here. So if it's starting a day early with harvest, he'd be like, okay, well, this is one day less of harvesting in the snow, or this is one day more of tillage you can do before the ground freezes up. Or with planting, hey, it's, it's just, it's finishing a day or two or three days earlier. Well, our yield is a lot of times 10% higher starting today versus if we finish three weeks from now. So anyway, I, I'm just saying I, you can think about that too when you're deciding whether to put that seed in the ground or not. But if it's me and it's my farm and I got treated seed with a good cold germ score, I'm going right now. All right. Thanks uh, for that uh, thought. I, I, I know everybody's just trying to get what the mindset is and how we deal with it because it's a different spring every year and that's kind of what makes farming challenging but also what makes it fun. Uh, Lauren Mulder, who is one of our guests on talking about yard uh, weed control and fertility and things, he, he sent a couple extra things. He goes, I should have mentioned uh, pyrethroids are excellent. They don't have an odor like the old Durban and Diazinon did. And he said one thing we're doing fertility-wise, too, that we didn't talk about is granular sulfur, 90% sulfur, is is also pretty good at repelling a lot of insects and snakes and that's something that a lot of guys are finding when they do their soil tests. They're short in sulfur, so that's something you could add to the lawn, and that helps things too. And then he said, uh, last comment, he said, what we're doing for weed control uh, is also a fertility uh, thing at the same time. So it's a weed and feed product that's a 3504 uh, and he said with 50% slow release nitrogen, which is the minimum percentage in their area that they apply to turf, they like to have more slow release. So it comes again later, but the active ingredients, Brian, are, uh, penoxalum, which controls sedges, even from a granular 
application. So that's that's interesting. And then Indoxicarb, which I don't know if you can get uh, just yourself. And then they're using uh, that instead of pendimethalin that only lasts for three to four months. So in the north, pendimethalin a lot of times gets us through the season. But with that longer season in the south, uh, they, they think that works pretty good. So they're doing it at Valentine's Day and Labor Day and keeping yards 99% weed free. So thanks for those extra comments, Lauren. That's that's really valuable. And uh, again, we, we think about a much shorter season here that we've got to deal with the lawn and uh, yard around the farm too. All right, got a question in from Johnny. He said, uh, I'm wondering which insecticide I can and can't mix with fungicide. I'm going to do some foliar fertilizer and fungicide on corn at tasseling. And I know Lorsman and foliar fertilizer would cause leaf burn, but I'm wondering what could I mix for insecticides with my fungicide and foliar fertilizer apps? Well, the, the fungicide isn't so bad. The fungicide will have some oils in there. But when you start talking fertilizer, um, now we get a lot more concern because you get more leaf burn out of that fertilizer. So if, you've, if you're already got fungicide in there and you're throwing fertilizer in there and granted it's probably a low rate but still uh, you don't want anything hot for that insecticide so like the old lores ban which now you can't use anyway but the old lores ban that's the reason why we never recommended that in that kind of combination because lores ban had lots of oils on the flip side you got the pyrethroids and that's usually what we talk about so you go with a cheap pyrethroid but you spend an extra dollar or two and you can get bifenthrin so that's capture or brigade and now not only can you kill most insects and have a little bit more residual than the cheaper pyrethroids but you'll also do you'll also get control on some spider mites so that's what i like now granted there is some pyrethroid resistance to spider mites in different areas but i'm just saying as a general statement that's really what I like. Now, are there some other products that could be added? Sure there are, but everything is just a lot more expensive than a cheap pyrethroid or bifenthrin. All right, uh, and this one's from Gary over in Minnesota. He said, alfalfa pre-emerge herbicide. You guys talk about Eptam. If I have extra Eptam, yep. could I use it up on another crop like soybeans? I had no. used Treflan and Metribuzin ahead of alfalfa in the past, and I've had good luck with that. Okay, uh, no. So, Eptam, the active ingredient, could be used in corn, but what they always used to have was eradicane because they had a corn safener with it. So, no, Eptam is basically just an alfalfa product in our region. Are there some other crops? Yes, but uh, but yeah, not, if you, if but you not use corn the, or soy. If you use the Eptam, just close the jug up and save it for later. Yes. Just mix up what you need, and it will keep. So yes. just keep and it in uh, in your shop or something like that now, where now, it's not going to Now, fix. as for trifluralin and metribuzin, they're hard on the alfalfa. That's the reason why we don't recommend them. You gotta, we, we like to see something that's easy on the alfalfa so that stand can last a really long time. Well, thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. And thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.